from lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota and SixFootMama.com. This is Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling. Still Growing is a gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jennifer Ebling. Well, it's so great to be here with you today. It is a chilly day in Maple Grove, Minnesota, overcast. We've got a high today of only 41 degrees, even though it is tax day. It's the 15th of April, and the forecast for the week is not terribly inspiring. Tomorrow, we're supposed to get snow. The weekend is going to be stormy and rainy. But by next week, we should start to see temperatures nearing 70 degrees. So spring is truly around the corner and we just need to hold on, which brings me to just a quick piece of advice for so many gardeners, which is don't get ahead of yourself this spring. If you're a seasoned gardener, you're probably familiar with this, but I physically get so pained when I see people out doing unnecessary yard work or tromping through their garden in an attempt to get a jump start on the season. And you know what? It's just not worth it. It's so much better to take the extra time and put a good plan together. You know, there are so many signs out right now that say, think spring. And after this brutal winter, people are just chomping at the bit. I had a dear friend that posted on Facebook that she was ready to go out and buy some pansies and start putting together some of her early spring pots. And I just replied back to her very simply. I said, Michelle, step away from the plants because really it's just not worth it. You know, we all go into these things with good intentions thinking, you know what, if we get a quick cold blast, I'll just pull it into the garage and I won't forget and it'll all all survive. But you know what, it really you end up behind. You end up potentially losing your investment, losing your excitement and passion for getting in the garden because there's nothing worse than experiencing an early crop failure or an early loss of investment. You know, plants are not cheap. Gardening is not an inexpensive hobby. It can really add up. And so I would just encourage you to take your time Listen to garden podcasts, talk gardening with a friend, go spend time in a nursery at a garden center, look at seed catalogs, and then harness that enthusiasm. You know, for for those of us that are living in the upper Midwest here around Lake Superior, which is still frozen, it's going to be a cooler summer is what all the experts are saying. And so it's going to take the ground that much longer to really warm up the ground temperatures. So for sure, wait until mid-May if you're in the Minneapolis area or a comparable zone, which would be a zone four or zone five. And in some places, the soil temperature is not going to be warming up to about 50 degrees until as late as early June. So it's so easy to get ahead of yourself, to get ahead of the game, but it really pays off to wait. And then I think once it's time to get going in the garden, I just encourage you to ease yourself into the busiest season of the year by starting slowly. I know for my own self, as I've been pulling into the driveway or looking out the windows at various parts of the garden, I'm making mental notes and actually making a physical list of all the things I want to accomplish once I get going. And I can tell you one of the first things I'll be doing is just sitting in different areas of my garden, probably with a coffee in hand, 
and then envisioning how I want my garden to look for 2014. And I'll tell you something else. All of that spring cleanup that you want to get a jump on, it's still going to be there whether you start today or you wait a week and start when it's a little bit warmer and you can take a more mindful and more gentle approach. I'll never forget the spring I had two years ago when I spent eight hours outside in the garden and then finished up by removing dead canes from a climbing rose that's near the garage. And I ended up, because I was tired, kind of rushing through the job and I had a plant thorn go right into my knuckle, my ring finger on my right hand. Well, long story short, three days later, I ended up with a plant thorn infection and I needed surgery. And when I walked out of the hospital, I had a cast on my arm that went from the tip of my fingers way up past my elbow. So that early hard driving effort that I put into my garden ended up being the only work I did in my garden for about eight weeks. And to this day, that knuckle still gives me problems. So it's a physical reminder to me that my garden needs to be life-giving to me and I need to listen to myself and be in relationship with my garden and all the little tasks that go along with it because just like any good relationship, there needs to be good boundaries for it to work. And I myself, with four kids, feel so much better about what I do outside when After I'm finished, if I have enough energy to come in, make supper, hang out with the kids, watch a movie, and have energy for all of those great activities as well. So pace yourself this year. Put a plan together, slow things down, and most of all, enjoy the time you're out there in your garden. Well, I have a fantastic show for you today. Sarah Griffin Bubakar is back with us. She was on an earlier show, episode 514. That show was all about planting cover crops, shallots, and garlic. So if you want to check that out, it's in the podcast library. Today, Sarah's going to be walking us through the Grow Organic Peaceful Valley Farm and Garden Supply Seed Catalog, which is a true gem. Before we get to that, let me make sure that I mention that you can review all of the information that we'll cover in the show today in the show notes for this episode. And that's located on my website at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A.com. And you'll find the still growing podcast in the top menu. And then from there, you can go through all of the episodes. If you look on the sidebar, you'll see two buttons that you can click. One shares the entire podcast library in a more condensed form. And then in addition to that, there's also a button which features the show's top episodes. And just one last piece of housekeeping. If you like the show, there's a few ways you can support Still Growing. First, you can leave a review for the show in iTunes. And I totally appreciate any feedback that you can leave either there or on Stitcher. And I also love it when people become a fan of the show on the Facebook page, which is at facebook.com backslash still growing with six foot mama. Well, with that, let's go to the interview. Once again, I'm interviewing Sarah Griffin Bubakar of Peaceful Valley Grow Organic, and she's going to walk us through their fabulous seed catalog. And it was a fun chance for me to get to chat with Sarah once again. 
Well, I'm very excited today to welcome back to the show someone who's been on a previous show, actually uh, show number 514, and that's Sarah Griffin Bubakar of Peaceful Valley Farm and Garden Supply or GrowOrganic.com online. And Sarah is with us today. She's going to walk us through their catalog, which I have, I think, four or five copies of for my seed party that's coming up. And it's a 67, 68-page, nice little color catalog. And before we get into walking through the catalog, Sarah, I just want to welcome you back to the show. And for folks who maybe aren't familiar with you or Peaceful Valley, do you want to just introduce yourself and the company a little bit, get people familiar with the great company that you work for? Sure. Yeah. My name is Sarah Griffin Bubakar, and I'm the store manager of Peaceful Valley Farm Supply. So I, um, on the local side of our business, we have a, a little retail store and a nursery here in Grass Valley, California. Um, that's where our business is based out of. It's in Northern California. And uh, I had a really good time on the show last time. We talked about chickens yes. and cover crops and things like that. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to this one too. Peaceful Valley Farm Supply, we've been in business since 1976. We sell all organic farm supplies, um, including all of our seeds are certified organic. All of our fertilizers and pesticides and things like that are suitable for organic agriculture. Um, we don't sell any, you know, no Roundup or anything like that. You can't even find that here. So it's really nice because as far as being an all organic farm supply, we're really one of the only shows in town, which is nice. So um, you can go to our website and order. We ship all over the country. Or, um, you know, if you happen to be in Northern California, you can come by the store. That's awesome. And you have, well, first of all, you're multi-talented because you teach so many things. And I know we talked about it, that in the last show, but you are you do cheese making, you do canning. You're so multi-skilled. You can do more than just talk about plants and gardening. Yeah, well, I have, I have uh, you know, my pet projects that are my favorite things. And we do teach workshops and things like that here at Peaceful Valley. And I do teach the cheese making workshop. That's my my main obsession, I'd say, is making different kinds of cheese and teaching people how to do it. And then canning. And I also do like organic fertilization. Um, when you need to do a soil test here at Peaceful Valley, you can, you have the option. You can talk to me about your soil and I can suggest some organic fertilizers for you, for your soil, just to make it healthier over time, building that soil using cover crops and fertilizers and things like that. I also teach irrigation classes, and I love pasture management. That's my my latest baby. What do you love? <laughs> what was that? Pasture management. Pasture so management. Growing pastures for animals and oh, lovely. Um, planting. Yeah, increasing the soil health using animals and uh, pasture grazing rotation. Oh, we could do a show on that, couldn't we? We could, yeah. Okay, that would be exciting. You're also a mom to some young little boys that are adorable. I do, yeah. I have a kindergartner. He's six, and he's a bit of a troublemaker, but he's lovely. And then I have a one-year-old. Yes, you have a one-year-old now. Mm-hmm. That's got to be exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. He's are you getting any sleep? No. Last night, <laughs> I did not get He's got a little cold, and I did not get any sleep Aww. at all. Neither did my husband, but that's okay. He's <laughs> worth it. Everybody was up. <laughs> he seemed very rested this morning. I don't know how he managed that. How's that? Po- yeah, I know. They do. <laughs> and they don't have to worry about the hair and all the other things, so they can just get, get out the door. Well, before we get into the seed catalog, and I, by the way, I love this. You know, it's one thing to get a catalog in the mail. It's another thing to get a 
person who knows the seed catalog intimately that can, you know, really highlight some of the awesome things that are in these catalogs that we might overlook otherwise. So I really am appreciative of how generous you guys have been with sharing all this great content and opinion and expertise with us. Before we dive into that, though, I want to make sure that we get a chance to highlight some of the free seed packet things that you're doing with shipping, and then also highlight the good work that you do with schools. Do you want to share that? Yeah. So we donate um, seed packs to school gardens. That's our big thing um, that we do. And it's really fun because you all you need to do if you're a school garden is send us a letter, you know, saying that you're a school garden and you request seeds for your school garden. And we'll send you a packet of just all sorts of different kinds of seeds, all organic um, and all in the packets. They're lovely. And um, you can share those with your school garden, which is really nice. It's really nice for schools because then it's just a resource. It's completely free. Yes. So uh, we figured it out. And for every 10 seed packs you purchase, we'll donate one of those, one pack to a school garden. Yes. So it's kind of nice because then you you know that you're you're supporting the school gardens as well, well by purchasing from us. Absolutely. And I just want to interject, that's how I found Peaceful Valley Grow Organic because I was working on a school garden project and and I requested seed. I actually I found a, a little article about this generous thing that you do with schools. So I filled out my information and I kind of forgot about it. I I I, I don't know why it just I didn't keep it top of mind. And next thing I know, I get this box in the mail. And I mean, it was the size of two shoe boxes. And mm-hmm. that thing was filled with seed and I about fell over. I could not believe it. So anyway, it's extremely well, generous. Well, it can be a big expense for schools. So we like to, you know, subsidize your garden that way. Yes. So for any of you who are listening that have that situation, I mean, I just found it to be uh, a really amazing gift from Peaceful Valley. So keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, and it definitely, if any listeners have a school garden, just uh, go to our website, groworganic.com forward slash school. Okay. And uh, you can sign up. All right. Should we walk through the catalog? Sure. So one thing I wanted to mention is that we do have a guarantee on our seed packs. So um, they're guaranteed to germinate. If your seeds don't germinate for one one reason or another, um, then we will just replace them. Yeah, you stand so you behind your product. Us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're definitely they're all tested for germination every year. Um, we have pretty high standards, you know. Um, everything even usually exceeds our standards. But you know, if you had a problem, then we'll replace it. And uh, you know, you want to make sure germinating seeds isn't you know necessarily the easiest thing in the world so for some seeds it's really easy and others it's not so we might walk you through okay what did you do wrong let's see if we can you know ensure success the next time but we'll replace them and your customer base is all over the country right yeah yeah i mean we have a lot of customers on the west coast just because that's where we're located um but yeah all over the country we do we don't ship outside of the u.s yet you know we do ship to puerto rico and guam well, there you go. Right. Okay, awesome. What page do you want to start on? You want to start on page five? Sure, page five. The big thing on page five that I'm excited about is the artichokes. We've never sold artichoke seeds before. It's brand new. And uh, we had customers request um, that we sell artichoke seeds. And so a lot of like, our, if we're able to, a lot of, depending on what kind of varieties we carry and everything, depends on if we have an organic source. Because like I said, all of our seeds are certified organic and GMO free. And so, you know, we won't, we have to really research that source and 
but we did find a source of organic artichoke seeds. Hmm. So that's really exciting. And what what I like about it is that it says here that colder climates will be able to produce an artichoke in one season as an annual with the seed. Yeah. And it's called mm-hmm. Imperial Star. Yeah, which is, a, I've had that, I've grown that same kind um, from like a, a root. But uh, yeah, in in California, we, we have it as a perennial. You know, mm-hmm. in, in colder climates, it'll die yeah. um, after a season in the winter. But in California, I've had, I've had the same artichoke plant for four years now. And it just produces like crazy. The root system just gets bigger and bigger. And I've divided it a couple of times, too, so you can just propagate that way. Oh, now you're just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You're in Minnesota. It's right? hard. It's hard to hear that. It's hard to hear that you're dividing <laughs> your artichokes there. But yeah. Okay, what's next? What's next on your list? Well, if we turn the page, then there's we've got all sorts of different kinds of beans and, you know, beans, we have, um, dried beans and, um, fresh beans or, you know, bush, bush beans, pole beans, there's all sorts of different kinds of options. And I really love growing beans. I have a few favorites that I like to grow. I, I try to dry, grow at least one kind of dry bean. Um, those you would leave off the plant until they're completely dry and then you save them to, to cook as a dry bean instead of as a green bean. And they're so and pretty, I, aren't they? They're really lovely. Yeah, the plants are really nice. And um, the beans themselves, I really like the Jacob's Cattle Bean, which is it's a red and white bean. And it kind of looks like, you know, like the pattern, pattern on a cow. That's why it's called a cattle bean. And they're really delicious, kind of meaty. And they're super pretty. And what do you use them for when you cook them up? What do you put them in? Anything. Chili. Um, yeah, I've made... I would say definitely chili or just beans and rice. My kids love beans and rice. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, when you grow them yourself, it just gives it a whole new dimension. You know, when you, when you've got these beans, I have the, the boys or the older boy at least shell the beans for me when we store them. And that's really fun for him. Cause then he sees where they come from. You know, it's different when you're in the store and you buy a bag of beans and a plastic bag, you don't really think about how those grew, yes. you know? And where they came from, but when they're out in your yard and you have to pull the husks off yourself, then, you know, it makes it, makes it a little more personal, which I like. Yes. Also on this page, we have the edamame, and that's really fun. That's, those are soybeans, but they're young soybeans that you would, you would eat them when they're young soybeans. And, uh, you know, if you have ever Japanese food and growing your own edamame, they're super buttery and delicious. Those are fun. Those are really popular. We sell a lot of edamame. You know, for, for bush beans or pole beans, for pole beans, the you know, we've got the Blue Lake, um, which are certified organic and GMO-free, and they, they're kind of your standard. We also have some fun ones like the black-seeded yard-long bean. It's a really fun pole bean. They're neat um, because they are long and curly, looks like. Yeah, they're long and skinny. They're really long <laughs> and yeah. skinny and tender, really, really tender, even when they get that long. They're really, I think they're, they're originally from China, yeah, subtropical China. They, they're, so I use them when I make like a Asian food. The other really popular one on the pole bean side is the Italian snap beans. Those are really uh, big and juicy and really productive. I grew those one year and I just had beans coming out of my ears. They're pretty and they're really bumpy too for people who can't see yeah. the picture, which I think always makes the beans look more interesting. And another thing about the pictures I'll mention is they're all hand-drawn by a local artist. Oh, they are? Here. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
we have, you know, we live in a small community and he's a local artist. He's a really nice guy. And mm. um, it's amazing how fast he can whip out these pictures. You're kidding. What's his you know, name? We get our, his name's Randy Griffith and he lives in North San Juan, California. And, you know, we give him the list of, okay, these are our new varieties for this year. And he just whips them out like nothing. Are you kidding? Yeah. And we sell his prints and we also sell like the, our, our calendar every wow. year is um, the seed pack art. It's really lovely. Now, does he do the um, the seed packets too then? Yeah. All the art on the seed packs is um, he draws all of that. It's pen, pen and ink and uh, colored pencil. Yeah. It's really nice. I love the feel of your catalog too. And that it's color. It's nice to see a color catalog. They're really lovely. Yeah. So, um, the beans I grew last year was I grew, there's bush beans too, which are nice if you don't want a trellis. Yes. I usually, I usually grow, um, whole beans. So the, the beans that I grew this last year are on page eight and I grew three different kinds. I grew the purple pod okay. because those are really fun. They don't stay purple when they're pickled. Unfortunately. Hmm. Didn't know that. But they're, or when they're cooked, they, they turn back into a green bean. But they're really lovely when they're growing, and they're super fun. <laughs> and then I grew the rattlesnake, and the rattlesnake are super cool because they they're striped. The pods are striped, and the beans themselves are striped. And they're nice because you can grow them either for fresh green beans, okay, or you can let them hang out on the vine on the vine, and they will turn into dry beans. Oh, you can great. save them as dry beans. So if you so, don't get to the harvest, you can just turn them into dry beans and you'll be exactly. good. Exactly. Great. Yeah, which is really, it's really nice. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so I grow those every year. And then the other ones I grew this year were the um, scarlet runner beans. And that's because they have the most beautiful red flowers. Most most bean flowers are white, you know. These ones are this bright red. Truly a scarlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're so nice. And you can do the same thing with the rattlesnake where you can eat them fresh or you can save them as dry beans. Wow. So that brings us to beets. One of my favorites. After bean comes beets. Yes. Um, my favorite beet, let's see, if you really want to grow like your, you know, your standard super productive beet, I'd say go with the Detroit dark red. And that's kind of your classic beet. It's going to grow really rigorously. Um, it's going to, you know, grow like crazy. You're going to have big, juicy beets with very little trouble. You know, you definitely want to direct seed your beets, but um, the greens are delicious as well as the beets. Okay. We have some fun different kinds, gold beets. If you're not a huge fan of beets, you could still grow golden beets, um, and you'd probably like them. They don't dye everything with pink like beets do when you're cooking with them because they're golden. I personally like the pink, but, you know, not everybody does. And so gold beets are really good. You can take a gold beet, shred it on a salad. It's delicious. Yes. Um, just raw, shred it on a salad. Um, the bull's blood beet, I love that one because the greens are bright red as well, or dark red as well. And so when I, I mean, I grow beets for the greens just as much as for the beet. Because I grew up in Atlanta and I eat greens all the time. And the greens are super delicious, especially when the bull's blood beet, because you get that, that red um, even in, in all those vitamins that come with the dark red. And that's on uh, the top of page eight, the bull's blood. Right, yeah, bull's blood beet. Those are really fun. And then the uh, chiogia beet is the, um, the striped beet, which is super fun. Because then you can cut those into thin slices raw, 
like if you cut them really thin, like on a, on a mandolin, you know, and um, then you can eat those more like chips. They're super good. And what did you call those? Chiogia beets. Chiogia. Okay. Yeah, they're striped on the inside. Super cool. You can't grab all those beets, maybe, but you know, pick one of those, and they're super fun. All right, next on the list. Well, next on the list is broccoli, uh, because we're going alphabetical here. Broccoli, you know, again, the Dicicio is probably your standard. It's delicious. It's productive. It's it's what'll happen is you'll cut off, you'll get the main head, and then if you cut that off, you'll still get the side shoots. I have a I have a friend who perennializes her broccoli because it just keeps producing and so because she just keeps getting the side shoots and they they're delicious i think they're a little tougher than the main stock um the new broccoli that we have is this chinese tayu broccoli and it it produces a very small floret but the leaves are you grow it more for the leaves than the stalks, which is interesting so it's kind of more like collards in that way and, and only the, 50 to 55 days to maturity. So that's good. Right. Because you're not waiting for that, for the flower to appear. Yep. Super fun is the Romanesco broccoli. It's so you know, pretty. If you're into fractal geometry. Mm-hmm. Super neat. It's a, it's a, like a cross between a broccoli and a cauliflower. I think it tastes a little more like cauliflower myself um, than broccoli. But um, it's super cool looking. And uh, my kids love to eat it. I prefer um, I prefer that one over a regular broccoli. So yeah, milder yeah. taste. Are you more of a Are you more of a cauliflower person? I am. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little milder. Yeah. Then that if I turn page to page ten, we've got cabbage. Um, we have Brussels sprouts, which are fun. They're I think they're a pain in the butt to grow, but you can try them. Why is that? <laughs> You know, they take, you can see they have 140 to 155 days to maturity. Mm. But um, that's the problem is by the time you've reached maturity, you've got a nice crop of aphids. Oh, my In my gosh. experience. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, brassicas in general where I live are kind of hit or miss um, on whether you get a good fruiting head or not, you know. Mm. Um, some years I'll have good broccoli years and bad cauliflower years. And some years I'll have good cauliflower years and bad broccoli years. And I can't really seem to predict it. But we have this weird, with these weird seasons in Northern California where it'll be really cold and then it'll get really warm and then it'll get really cold again. And brassicas hate that. So they do, brassicas in general, like cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower, they, they do like the colder climates because it's more consistent. It's just cold, you know. That said, we do grow a lot of cabbage in California, so it'll, it'll work. Yeah. Um, we've got the red and the green and then the Brussels sprouts. And carrots. you got a lot of carrot offerings. A lot of carrots. And I'd say one of our most popular carrot that we have this year is the rainbow mix. And I don't know if you know this, but carrots were not originally orange. Hmm. They were originally red and yellow. And we bred them, humans bred them to be orange. So that became the standard carrot. But the rainbow mix has the red carrots, the orange carrots, purple carrots, white carrots, and yellow carrots. And each color carrot has a different uh, antioxidant in it. Um, so it's all, they're all good for you in a different way, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I think you should try and grow a purple carrot. They're usually purple on the outside, and then when you cut them, then they're orange on the inside, which is kind of fun. Yeah, good for but, the kids to know. 
Oh yeah. Well, the kids are super into that. They're, yes. They get super into, you know, eating anything out of the ordinary. I've mm-hmm. learned um, really helps. I also do, I do nutrition education in my son's school and uh, we brought carrots to the classroom and they were, you know, farm fresh carrots from a local farm and the kids had never had carrots that were that sweet and tender, you know? And so they were like, whoa, this isn't a regular carrot, you know? That's great. Pretty fun. At our church, they ha- we have a community garden, and they donate, I think, 12,000 pounds of food every year to the um, food shelf. And when I was talking to the director there, I learned that um, they can't get enough carrots. They always Every year, they have to grow more and more carrots because people forget when you're giving produce to a food shelf, of course, you know, you're basically feeding a lot of kids. And of course, mm-hmm. kids love carrots. So you've got to make oh, sure that sweet. the produce, yes, you've got to make sure the produce you're, you're giving to your food shelf has, um, has things that'll appeal to kids. So carrots, every year I know they order more and more carrot seeds. So mm-hmm. I love this little Parisian one that you have. Yeah, that's a new kind. We haven't, I haven't grown that yet, but um, they're really round. Yes. And, and they're adorable. And they, I think they'd probably be better if you had a rockier soil, you know, mm. rather than growing a longer carrot. I know we've carried the little finger carrot, um, and that's good for rocky soils because, you know, if you're trying to grow carrots in rocky soil, what'll happen is you'll hit, they'll hit a rock and they'll go off to one side and they end up all twisted and weird. So, Growing a shorter, stubbier carrot is good for those rocky soils. So, um, yeah, the Parisian ones are really adorable. Yeah, they're sweet. It's all about growing cute food. Yeah, they're little, fat, chubby bunny things, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And then cauliflower, we do have the, you know, just the snowball cauliflower. Uh, On the next page, we have chard, which is in the beet family. So, if you like to eat beet greens... Yes. And you'd love to eat chard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have the um, the fairly new one we have is the flamingo, which is a fluorescent pink stem. Hmm. And, you know, you can grow chard as like a landscape plant because it's so pretty. I've seen it in landscapes a lot. Um, and it likes the cool weather as well. It's uh, pretty frost tolerant. And uh, it'll grow really like crazy. And um, we also have the five-color silver beet, also called. Um, and that one has all the different colors, which is really fun. Orange, purple, yellow, white, and, uh, as well as red, and, and then just your standard white. Nice. Um, celery and celery act. So we have celery that is grown for the stalks. That's the tall Utah. And then celery that's grown for the root. And that's the celery act. So the root can be used as a root vegetable. It's really good in stews and, you know, root vegetable bakes and things like that. Does it have a celery-like taste? Because I've never had it before. It does have a celery-like taste. It has a very uh, dense consistency, which I really like. You know, it's more like a rutabaga, um, but it, it tastes like celery. Yeah, it's really good in soup. You just chop it up then, or what do you do? Yep, you just chop it up and cook it like any root vegetable. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's fun. You have some beautiful that, corn. Yeah, that brings us to corn. Um, so there's different kinds of corn. There's sweet corn and there's dent corn. And the dent corn is usually prettier I think is with colors and everything. Yep. But um, and you would use that to grind up into into flour. I think it's really fun to to do, grow your own corn for flour. Um, we sell some grain mills and things that you can do to grind your corn. The new one we have is the we have a couple new ones. We have the bloody butcher corn, which is a lovely name. Yes, it <laughs> dark, is. Dark red and black kernels. 
So super just beautiful, I think. Mm. Um, I grow the Painted Mountain every year, which is a, you know, just a mix of all different colors. The other new one that we have is the Japonica striped corn. And that one is also awesome for a landscape plant because not only are the corn kernels, you know, red and pink and um, yellow, but the leaves themselves are striped in all of those colors. So um, that makes it really exciting as a landscape plant, as well as, you know, you can grow the corn and eat. What do the tassels look like on top? The tassels are purple. So that really is a pretty plant. You know, for folks who grow cannas, this would be a nice substitute this year. There you go. Yeah, and then you can eat it too. Yeah. Um, Sweet corn, you know, some of my favorites. I love the double standard. It's a bicolor corn. So it has, you know, the white and the yellow kernels. Um, It's a pretty classic. If you just want a white corn, then the country gentleman's really nice. And the true gold is good if you want a yellow corn. There you go. All right, we're turning to page 14. Page 14, you can see we have all of our, on the bottom of the page, you can see all the art, the seed pack art that we found. That's from that local artist. Um, This last year, I grew three different kinds of cucumbers. I grew pickling cucumbers, of course, and most of my pickles are pickling cucumbers. Because if you ever make pickles, you really want the pickling cucumbers and you want to pick them when they're really small. And that's how you get the crunchiest pickles. You can use the slicing pickles, but they're going to be soggy. So if you really want a crunchy pickle, you've got to grow a pickling cucumber. And we have a couple of different kinds. Um, I usually grow the national pickling just because that's what I'm used to. Um, we have the homemade pickles is another one that's a pickling cucumber. I also grow the lemon cucumber because it's super prolific and really delicious. And that um, one looks like a little uh, little yellow pumpkin to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they're all cucurbits. They are somewhat lemony. They're bright, you know, bright flavored. And uh, they're yellow and round. And like I said, super prolific. I mean, you will have lemon cucumbers coming out of your ears with one plant. What? What sure. is, um, how big are they? Are they like uh, bigger than a tennis ball? Bigger than a what? Uh, you know, it kind of depends. I try to pick them when they're a little small. Because uh, then the seeds are more tender. But, um, yeah, I'd say more anywhere between a very large egg to a tennis ball. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Even mm-hmm. even smaller maybe than what I was originally thinking then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want a big cucumber that is still, you know, sometimes when you let cucumbers get too big, then they get uh, bitter. And one that really doesn't is that Armenian cucumber. And it's uh, it's somewhat striped. They're more like light, light green. And I'm telling you, they will get massive. And you can still eat them when they are enormous. Wow. And they are so delicious. So delicious. I always grow Armenian cucumbers because they are just perfect in the salad. And do My they curl cucumber. like that? Like what's in the drawing? Mm-hmm. Do they yeah, they get... Okay. They get, they follow, you know, when they're maturing, they follow whatever shape. So mine sometimes grow in between the trellis and then you have to kind of yes. <laughs> ease them out from between the trellis. So yeah, they, they grow in all different shapes and they, they'll curl like that when they get long. Um, but I mean, they get long and they get big and most of the time you would look at it and you'd think, oh, I waited too long and that's no longer good. But with the Armenian, it is. So it's nice because... You know, you can pick them when they're small and then they're super sweet and delicious, or you can pick them when they're um, 
big and they're still super sweet and delicious and crispy, super crispy. Can't really make pickles with them because they don't have that density that the pickling cucumbers have. But you do salad Uh, with them. Oh, yeah, salad, whatever. I just eat them. I salt them a little bit, cut it up into slices, salt them, serve them like that. And everybody goes crazy for them. Wow. Yeah. Um, The Persian cucumber are a really cute one that doesn't get bitter as well. Um, It has very few seeds, which is nice. Um, So that's a new one that we just started carrying, and we started carrying that because customers requested them. Oh, really? Yeah, and those you pick when they're really small. They're delicious. So that was a by popular demand thing for you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. Persian. Persian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could have cucumbers all day. They are so, they're one of my favorite things to grow. They're so easy to grow for me here in California, at least. Yeah. Just really fun for the kids to go out and pick and, you know, I'll catch my son out there just chomping on the vine. And <laughs> eggplants. Um, eggplants. Eggplants. You know, eggplant is one of my favorite things to grow. I love eggplant. I can't get enough of it. Not everybody likes it, which I think is weird because it's so meaty. And, you know, I like to chop up eggplant and put it in my chili because it, it'll it'll kind of disappear in the chili. But it'll give that flavor to the chili and a nice little thick in it. Um, the Black Beauty is kind of your standard eggplant. The one that I really like to grow is the Rosa Bianca. Um, another really prolific plant. You'll get tons of eggplants off wow. of one plant. Uh, it's lovely. Really, really pretty. They're white eggplant with uh, pink stripes. And they're really pretty. The flowers are really lovely, too. Um, we have a few gourds that you can buy. We have the bottle gourd and the speckled swan gourd. And then we have some mixes of, of different gourds. that Either you can get small or large, depending on what you want. And those are really fun. Yes. Greens is a very large section because we have a lot of greens. Greens are one of those things that here in California, we can grow them year round practically. If you just get a cold frame and, you know, they have a short maturation, you can eat them when they're fully developed or you can eat them when they're just tender and young. The greens start out with arugula, really delicious green. You can cook it. You can eat it fresh, put it in a salad. And it's, it's got that really nice flavor to it. The mosh is a new one that we've had that's excellent in salad. Um, the mescaline mix is a really popular one. And that one you would grow so that it's short and cut it when it's small for uh, like a baby salad mix. Uh, pak choy is really popular. Let's see on the next page. A new one is radicchio. That's also from customer requests. Uh, collard greens, because I'm from the South originally. Definitely a favorite. Grew up with it. Uh, we have a couple on these. The frise um, is new, fairly new, and uh, that one's really fun in salads. Kale is what, I mean, I grow kale constantly. Kale is like super productive. You'll get a ton of kale off of one plant, and it just keeps growing. Here in California, it's practically perennial. Wow. And it, mine isn't because my chickens get to it. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the Lacinato kale is also called Tuscan kale. It's um, really delicious and it's kind of bumpy. They call it, also call it Dino kale. You called um, it Lacinato? Lacinato. It has a bunch of names. Tuscan kale, Dino kale, Lacinato kale. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one. The Red Russian's delicious. And the new one is the White Russian. I haven't tried that one yet, but I plan on it. Really easy to grow from seed, too. That's really. great. On the next page, we have kohlrabi. 
um, which is fun. It's in the brassica family, and it, it to me, it tastes like broccoli stems that you would, you peel it, and then it tastes like nice tender broccoli stems, and you eat it raw and in salad. Okay. And the it's actually, the vegetable part of it is actually just the engorged stem, which is cool. So try that, because it's fun. All right. And then lettuce, we have so many kinds of lettuce. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have some favorites, but really it's like if you want to know what kind of lettuce to grow, you can, it kind of depends on what season you're growing it in because you can grow lettuce pretty year-round, especially if you have a greenhouse or yeah. a um, cold frame. You know, the, some of the new ones, we have the red sales, and that was also by customer demand just because that, that one um, grows really well and it's lovely and has, you know, those bright red curly leaves. It's a beautiful lettuce for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the and, red deer tongue. Is that one popular? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. And that one's slower to bolt, so it's better in the summer. And it's good. And you got to pick it when it's tender. Tango's a classic. I love that one. Nice curly green leaves. My favorite is on the next page, which is the Marveda Casco Saison. And that's um, on page 22. Do you want to say that page again? Page 22. Uh, it's called Marveda Casco Saison. Oh. And it's uh, obviously a French you must speak lettuce. a little French. I do speak French, yes. <laughs> My husband's from Africa, so we speak Nice. Um, and it, it's also slower to bolt, but what Marveda Casco Saison means is marvel of the four seasons. So you can grow it, you know, the same kind of lettuce pretty much year-round. And it's a green lettuce with kind of a rosy blush to it, which is nice. And then the freckles is another really fun one that the kids particularly like because it's got polka dots on it. Mm, cute. And, and then on the next page, we have melons. And one of my favorite melons is the piel de sapo melon. That's Spanish. It means skin of the frog. Piel and de sapo. Piel de sapo. And it is so good. It's that actually, the first time I had one of those, there's a local farmer up here from Spain, and he brought over the seeds. And um, he, it's, um, crisp white flesh it's that crispy crunchy flavor in a melon not like the soft melts in your mouth but more the crispy wow texture oh and it's so sweet and so delicious i just love it and so definitely that one um and then the hearts of gold is a nice classic one we have some mixes which is nice so if you just want to grow a mix of different kinds of melons and you don't want to buy a seed pack of each you can just buy the sweet summer mix Let's see. On page 25, in my house, we grow, <clears throat> my husband's from Africa, as I mentioned, we grow a ton of okra. Really? Um, <laughs> we eat okra all year long. I grow tons of it. I spend a lot of my garden is spent growing okra. And what do and you do with it? So you've grown we, it. How do you? I, we, we slice it up and we freeze it and then we put it in stews. He makes like gumbo like year round. Oh, okay. Gumbo every other night, practically. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And, um, not gumbo okay. again. <laughs> it's a no. Well, my husband's a really good cook, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, geez. And I okay, never well, get tired of it. I have no sympathy for you not getting enough sleep now if your husband cooks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. The um, okra, I think, is a very underappreciated vegetable. I think it is, too. Um, it yeah, has, you don't hear people talk about it much. Right. It has beautiful flowers, too. So it's another one of those that um, is a land, good landscape plant. Because it's, it's a really pretty plant, especially this, the red, the burgundy okra. Hmm. Really nice. Pickled okra, oh my God. Really? I mean, I pickle almost everything. 
Um, but pickled okra, I pickle a ton of my okra. Um, it is so delicious. Wow. You have to pick okra when it's small, though. So it's one of those things that you have to be out in the garden picking okra all the time because if they get too big, then they get really woody and you can't eat them. Get out there and get it done, right? Exactly. Every day I'm out there picking okra. Huh. Now I see in your catalog, I love you always have these little known facts here with all your offerings, but it says roasted ground okra seeds were used as a coffee substitute during the Civil War. I did not know that. Interesting. Can you yeah, see that? Can you? Yeah, I do. Because you're familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, also being from the South, we ate a lot of okra. So yeah, they're definitely, it grows really well. This The days have to be really hot where you're going to grow it. And now yeah. we're going to do a little bit of a reprise, right? Because we talked about onions, garlic, shallot the last time you were on the show. But let's go through them again. Yeah, well, here's onions. And so onions are a biennial. So you would start it from seed uh, in the spring. And then um, they really like to be transplanted. So then in the fall, you would transplant your seedlings. And then they would overwinter. And then the following summer, you would harvest the onions. Okay. Um, the exception to that, of course, would be the um, evergreen bunching onions. So if you just want the green onions or scallions, then you would grow that one. We also sell, in the fall, we sell onion transplants. And so that's if you want to skip the seed and just go straight to the transplant stage, then you can. Yes. You can okay. just buy the transplants. And okay. those are like fresh plants. Some of the new ones we have, the Cortland um, is fairly new. The Cipollini is really cute. It's a little Italian onion. It's on page kind of 26. On page 26, yeah. And then, of course, the Walla Walla classic, sweet mm-hmm. onion. Parsnips, we have some parsnips, which are fun. Another good root vegetable, underappreciated, in my opinion. Yep. Really good if you mash them together with potatoes. Peas, we have a few different kinds of peas. My favorite is the sugar snap. I always grow those. Those are the kinds you can just eat the whole pod. They're a cross between a sweet pea and a snow pea. A really good snow pea, which are the more flat peas that really aren't grown for the peas inside the pod, but more of the crunchy edible pod. Um, it's the sugar Oregon sugar pod too. The progress number nine is our shelling pea. So that's where you don't eat the, the shell. You shell it and, and get the peas out. Okay. Another good project for kids. They love to do them. And so peas are really fun. That brings us to peppers. My favorite pepper to grow is the Nardello. They're okay. a nice sweet pepper. They get all curly as they grow, which is fun. And then, you know, you can pick them when they're green or, or when they're red. They get sweeter, you know. Yeah, they look really fun. funky, don't they? They're, they're really good. Yeah, I totally recommend them. The, let's see if we turn the page. I like the Rainbow Bell Mix. So you can get green Cal Wonder and the um, Diamond Yellow and the Golden Cal Wonder, which turn like a, kind of an orangey. And then the Purple Beauty and the Sweet Chocolate, it turns to be dark brown. So wow. that, that one's kind of nice because you get the whole mix yes. in there. I love to grow pepperoncinis and pickle them. Ancho Poblana, those are pretty new. Those are popular for, you know, making Mexican food or something like that. I don't grow a whole lot of hot peppers, but we have some really spicy peppers. We've got the habanero and the red scotch bonnet and then the hot Caribbean mix. So fun because they, you can dry them and keep them, you know, and so you can grind. I, I, uh, I, I don't grow them myself, but you can grind them up and, uh, just save them for later, you know. Do they get a little milder then with age after you've done that? Definitely, yeah. Okay. They lose some of their heat. Thank God. But they're still spicy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just takes a little bit. Yes. 
So then that brings us to page 30 and pumpkins. We have some really fun pumpkins. Pumpkins take a lot of space. I like to grow, this year I grew the Jack the Little Pumpkins. Oh. And they're like those little, uh, my son loved them. He took a bunch to school and gave them to his friends, you know. And so cute. Uh, they're adorable little pumpkins, which are fun. And I did them in a container, and they grew perfectly. I was just thinking about that. I could do it on my mm-hmm. deck. And are, yeah. so are these like the little decorative ones, like the, yeah. the palm yeah, of you your can hand? Eat them. They're, they're not just decorative. You can definitely eat them. You can. Okay. You, um, yeah, you can. Uh, what I like to do is cut out the top, just like a regular, like a jack-o'-lantern, scoop out the seeds, oh. and then stuff them with a little bit of stuffing, and then bake them. Oh, my And they're gosh. delicious. And so and amazing. And adorable. And then when you serve them, you just give everyone their own pumpkin. Oh, my gosh. I've got to do that. Yeah. And like I said, I did it in a smart pot. And you just let the, the vinyl just come, you know, it'll just trail all over the deck. Okay. And uh, it's really cute, really pretty plant, you know. It says um, here uh, five-foot vine. Do you think that's about as long as it got or did it get a little longer? No, they're not very long. That's a that's a fun yeah. one. I love yeah, hearing about funny. that. Yeah, that's funny because I mean, like I said, pumpkins take a lot of space. Yeah. So if you don't want to commit a lot of space to your, to, you know, to pumpkins in your garden, then grow that one. If you want to grow the Big Max pumpkin because you want a one, you know, a big big one for a jack o' lantern, then grow that. The new one that we have is the Lady Godiva pumpkin, and that's really fun because they're delicious for pies. And they're green and gold, so they're really pretty for decoration. Yes. Um, but they're also their seeds are holeless. So the seeds don't have that thick white shell on them like other pumpkin seeds. And so they're really delicious to eat just the seeds. Wow. Um, then we go to radishes. The Easter egg mix is the one I usually grow. We have the daikon. We have always sold daikon as a cover crop. But we had enough people that were like, hey, you know, I want to grow that to eat it. Okay. Um, it's a big, long Japanese radish. It's really good. You can even cook it. I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's really mild, really mild, crunchy, and easy to grow. It says grow. they look more like white carrots than radishes in your catalog and that they grow up to 16 inches long. So they're that's huge. A, that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get to be wow. huge. That's why they're so good for a cover crop because they'll bust up your soil you know if you've got like a hard packed soil you grow the daikon and it's got such a vigorous thick tap root that it'll bust up your clay soils and increase you know increase drainage and all that all right daikon all all around everybody gets yeah yeah benefits everything uh the other one it's in the daikon family actually is the watermelon radish that's on page 32 watermelon radish is adorable it's got like a light green on the outside and then a bright pink on the inside. It really is cute, isn't it? Really cute. Oh, I found I that it's better to grow that one in the fall oh, because fall. it's pretty, it's prone. It likes it when the days get cooler Okay. rather than getting warmer because um, it might bolt. That's okay. the only thing I'll say about that. Okay. Grow that one in the fall, not in the spring. Okay, we can handle that. Mm-hmm. Radishes are great to grow because they grow so quickly. You know, they mature so quickly. Yes. I've got a little so, radish grower here, Johnny. That's his thing. He's he's my radish grower. So yeah, yeah he loves. Yeah, that. well, it's good. It's good for children too because it's that instant gratification. You know, they germinate within three days and you you know mature within a month. So, yes. Um, the watermelon radishes are very large. So they take a little bit longer to mature, but they're worth it because they're they're really sweet. They're not they're not spicy at all. They don't have that bite to them. 
Um, but they're really cute in salads and nice and crunchy. Yeah, they are large. It says four inches. So that's a hefty radish. So that brings us to summer squash, which is another thing that I never skip in my garden. I always grow summer squash because they are the easiest things to grow. I think cucurbits in general are just easy. Yes. And they will just produce and produce and produce. And you can abuse them. <laughs> like I think at the end of the season last year, I just stopped watering my squash because I was, I was done. You know, I was like, okay, my freezer is full of squash. Yep. I've been eating squash all summer. I'm sick of squash. I'm not going to water them anymore. And then they still produce squash like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, just be prepared if you're going to grow squash that you really don't need more than one or two plants for a family because they will produce like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things where it's like you give squash to your neighbors and the neighbors are like, okay, you Thank gave you. us tons of squash. Thanks. But they, they look out their window and they're like, oh my gosh, should you come to squash? Come squash. Quick, Lock quick, the shut door. the door, shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I like to grow the crookneck. I really like those. And squash are another thing, you know, the smaller the smaller they are when you harvest them, the more tender they are. You can harvest them when they're giant. And if, you, if you're not paying attention, there's always one giant one that's hiding under a leaf somewhere and you missed it somehow and then now it's enormous. Yeah. Um, chickens will eat it. I always oh. use my chickens. You can also, that one is the one that you can scrape out the seeds and bake it. More like a winter squash, you know. Or you can grate it for zucchini bread and stuff like that. Don't use the little tender zucchinis for zucchini bread. Use those giant ones that you missed. Winter squash, page 34. Our new one is the kabocha squash. That one is super delicious. I, I've never grown it, but I've definitely eaten it. It's really, really yummy, um, nutty, buttery flavor. Hmm. And, uh, and, of course, the, the benefit of the winter squash I mean, I know that people who listen to your show are probably experienced gardeners. They know that you don't grow winter squash in the winter, but I get a lot of questions about that. Um, they're called winter squash because they will keep all winter, not because you grow them in the winter. Yeah. You, you grow them in the summer. You harvest them in the fall. You They'll keep all winter long. I'm excited to hear about your tomatillos. Yeah, the tomatillos are really popular. We sell a ton of these purple tomatillos. Um, those are really fun. The new tomatillo that we have, is um, the pineapple tomatillo. It's also called a ground cherry. And if you've never had a ground cherry, you really need to try it because they are so sweet and delicious. They grow like tomatillos. They look like tomatillos. They're in that family, but they don't taste like tomatillos. They're super sweet and um, they taste more like cherries. And they are so good. I just pop them like crazy. They're like, you know, candy. It says fun to pick and unwrap. Well, skin. the tomatillos have that papery skin on the outside. Yeah. They grow, you know, like a little lantern that looks like. And so, so do the ground cherries. And so it's nice because when you, you can pick them and put them in a basket and then they're like candy in a wrapper. You, you just unwrap the papery skin on the outside and eat them. And they're, they're delicious. They're kind of sticky like the tomatillos when you peel them up. And the tomatillos, of course, are great. Um, I like to make salsa wow. out of the tomatillos. Yeah. And we got salsa pages and pages and pages of tomatoes coming here. Yeah. Tomatoes, that's a tough one because, you know, tomatoes are one of those standards where you cannot buy tomatoes that are the same as you can grow. 
You just can't. You know, maybe if you bought them at the farmer's market, then that's the closest you can get. But your backyard tomato is going to be the ultimate, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you have aficionados who grow tomatoes and they'll grow like 20 different kinds because they're all so different too. Yep. So that's why we have to have so many different kinds of tomatoes because there's so much variation within one kind of plant. So we've got them mixed up into slicing tomatoes and then we have cherry tomatoes and then we have paste tomatoes and then we have small tomatoes even. Of the slicers, we have the beefsteak tomato, which is like a classic meaty, juicy, um, dark red tomato that can get enormous. And that's on page 36. Page 36. Um, the brandy wines. We have a brandy wine mix, which is nice. Um, if you want to grow a different kind, but the brandy wines have so much flavor to them, you know, that rich, dark flavor. The green zebra is a favorite. It's green even when it's mature. And I like to grow some green zebra to put in my, when I can, whole tomatoes. Because again, that gumbo that we eat all year long, we <sighs> use my canned tomatoes. Mm. So I have those green zebras and they have this green striped skin. And of course I peel off and then they're green. And then in my mix of canned, you know, whole tomatoes in a jar, then they're really nice because then they mix with the reds and then I put like a, a yellow in there. Tomato also, and then they're really pretty. Awesome. Black creme, that's another favorite of mine. Uh, it has um, dark red and uh, green with a little bit of a black tinge to it. Uh, the pineapple tomato, that's on page 38. That's a new one. I tried that one. I ate that one for the first time last year, and it does. Maybe it's because it's named pineapple, and it just evokes pineapple, but it yes. does taste like pineapple, huh. which is kind of a trip. And it's pretty. It's it's kind of, it looks like it's yellow. It's got some red. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, kind of stripy. Yeah, super huh. fun. I'm definitely going to try that one this year. Um, another new one is the test. I think it's called Thessaloniki. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but it's a Greek one. That's also, uh, that was a customer request. Then, you know, we've got the cherry tomatoes. Um, a really yummy cherry tomato that we have is the grape Reisenstraub. Heirloom tomato, cherry tomato, really yummy kind of grapey kind of flavor. And then the Matt's wild cherry, super prolific. You'll get tons. The But the wild cherry will be one of the first tomatoes that you get. So... You know, when you're really hankering for a tomato, you'll get that wild cherry tomato, and it's so good. So I, I like to grow a cherry tomato and a big tomato at, at the very least, and then I grow mostly paste tomatoes because they're they're determinants in general. And so that means that your your um, your vine is going to it's going to grow to a certain height, and then it's going to stop, and it's going to fruit, and they generally fruit all at once, uh, which is nice for canning. Yes, very good. So if you're canning, grow the, the Roma or the Amish paste or the San Marzano. Those are the really good um, canning paste tomatoes. They have less moisture, so they're not as good eating fresh, but they're be- definitely better for making sauce. The other one I wanted to mention tomato-wise, garden peach. Okay. It's like, got a nice, soft, somewhat fuzzy skin like a peach. Okay. And it's peach-colored, and it's super delicious and super adorable. Watermelon. And uh, the moon and star t- watermelon is a really fun one because it's, it's dark green 
and has uh, yellow spots on it. It's really cute. The sugar baby is the one that I've grown because it's it just it's just smallish, the smallest one. And you, I don't know, you get more watermelons per vine because they're smaller, quicker you know? to maturity too because mm-hmm. they're littler. Yeah, yeah. So I like that one, and they're kind of they're pink on the inside, which is fun. And then after that, after melons is uh, after watermelon is uh, herbs. We've got tons of herbs. I like to grow definitely a few different kinds of basil. We've got a lot of different kinds. The calendula is really nice because then they're edible flowers, and they'll just kind of go crazy in your yard. Do you put them in salads? I put them in salads definitely. You can also uh, make like different creams and things because it's it's really good uh, for your skin. Yeah, I, I like to take the petals and I put it in some olive oil and make just an oil infusion. And I put some calendula olive oil in my bath every time. Didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, the barrage is another edible flower, which is really cute. And with the barrage, you can, it goes crazy, though. You have to be careful. It doesn't take over your garden. Yeah. But um, you can take the stems, peel the stems because they're kind of fuzzy peel the stems and eat them like cucumber and they're mature way before your cucumbers. So put them in your salad that way. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. You know, the woodier herbs, the woodier perennial herbs are a lot harder to start from seeds. I usually buy starts. And that's it for the veggies. Well, there we go. Give me your input on the sunflowers. They're really nice. If you want to grow a sunflower for the seeds, which I totally recommend doing, you're going to want to go with like the um, Russian mammoth. You want to get the big ones. Okay. And uh, that one will produce some really nice white striped edible seeds. Um, If you want to grow ones for, you know, bouquets and things like that, then the harlequin mix is really nice uh, because you get some of each. The Mexican sunflower, the Chithonia, it's not actually a helianthus. It's not a sunflower, but it is so nice because it is one of the last flowers in the garden. It flowers in the autumn. So it's really nice because the whole garden's kind of winding down, and then all of a sudden, here comes these bright red uh, sunflowers. Wow. You know? On the sunflower note, something that you can plant right now, because of course you can't plant sunflowers because they're not very hardy, yes. but you can plant the um, Jerusalem artichokes which are in the sunflower family. We have the little roots and you plant those and they will go crazy and you can eat the tubers in the ground. What do you do with those? Really What's that? What do you do with those? The tubers? How do you cook them? Yeah. Um, I like to, you can slice them really thin and fry them up like potato chips and they're delicious. Really? Or you can um, use them fresh and cut them up and put them in a salad and they taste like water chestnuts. Holy Toledo. Never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. We got all your seed starting supplies and things like that, too. You know, anything you need. Um, the soil blockers are really fun for starting seeds. Um, we've got heat mats and grow lights and all sorts of things to help you. Seed starting soil, different trays and, and little mini, mini greenhouses for starting seeds. Give us one or two of your really popular seed starting pieces of merchandise that people like to get. Yeah, well, um, our seed starting mix that we sell is um, it's called Quick Root, and it's a soilless mix that's really good for starting seeds because it, it keeps the seeds from damping off because um, it doesn't have a lot of, it's not real rich, so they don't get fungal problems. It's mainly cocoa peat and vermiculite, so it stays moist, but doesn't, you know, doesn't tend to, like I said, have the fungal problems. And then the seedling trays, if you're really serious about starting seeds, 
I've tried a bunch of different kinds of, of seed starting apparatus, and I've always gone back to the seedling trays. There are these styrofoam trays yep. that are totally reusable, and um, you know they'll last for years and years as long as you take care of them. And they seeds will germinate the best in those. I'm telling you. And you say so you just fill them up with the quick root, and you're good to go. Should we do potatoes really quick? I see it's at the very back of the catalog here. Yeah. Well, to potatoes, of course, right now are selling like crazy. And we have a bunch of different varieties, and they're all organic. Uh, we've got russets. We've got white potatoes, yellow potatoes, purple potatoes. Um, we have potatoes that are purpley blue on the inside and the outside, or we have ones that are just purple on the outside. And a nice little mix pack, looks like. Yeah, you can get the red, white, and blue mix. Um, some of my favorite potatoes are the fingerling potatoes, and they are um, really tender um, and nutty, just delicious potatoes that are really um, easy to eat, and you don't need to peel them, and they're very gourmet. So I like the French fingerling in particular it has a red stripe in it which is fun and uh also the um, russian banana is another really yummy one you don't need to butter them they like taste pre-buttered that's great yeah so here we are 66 uh 67 68 pages worth of great information a fabulous tour that yeah, it's was fun. Awesome. i love talking seeds and veggies yeah definitely the whole of pumpkins pretty there's a lot of things that are just really lovely you know like the okra like, you don't even think about okra being such a pretty plant, but it really is. All right. You, All talked, right. Me, you talked me into it. <laughs> <laughs> I have some interesting tastes sometimes, you know, my no, favorite things to grow. Well, you know what? You need to do that, though, if you're going to talk veggies. you got to be somebody who really appreciates the wide spectrum of what's out there. So Yeah. Oh, man, it made me hungry, too. But it's nice, you know, you get a little bit of an idea of what other people are thinking about and and what you guys hear back from customers, right? Because you have a mm-hmm. better handle on what's what's out there and what people are really liking. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And we welcome, like, if you if you plant one of our seeds and it turns out really pretty and you're maybe an amateur photographer and you want to take a picture, um, post it on our, on our blog because um, I grow organic.com. And uh, we've got a lot of pictures from customers that we like to put on there. And I see on here, too, people get a free garden art calendar, and that would have art from that gentleman, right, that does all your mm-hmm. art. So yeah, that if you would place be a your order online too. and it's over $50, you can get um, that garden art catalog because, yeah, that, those drawings are really lovely. Yep, and everybody could use an extra a calendar out in the garage when you're starting to plan. So really quickly, if somebody's going to place an order, they can go online, they can request a free catalog, tell, tell the whole process there and what they can expect in terms of delivery time and all that. If you wanted to place an order, you would give us a call at 1-888-784-1722, or you can go online to groworganic.com and you place your order and don't forget to, you know, pick out your free seeds. If your order's over $50, we will ship it out to you within a week. You know, right now you should be thinking about planting your brassicas and, and some things like that, starting them indoors, getting them ready to go outside. Yep. Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for being on the show again. You did a great job walking us through the catalog, and I'm sure people appreciate it as they get theirs and, and they can make some informed choices here when they're placing their seed Thanks so orders. much. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well give thanks, those Jennifer. babies a little squeeze from Aunt Jen. <laughs> okay. I will. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. 
Well, that's it for our show today. I want to thank Sarah Griffin Bubakar once again for all the fabulous wisdom she shared with us on the show today. Don't forget you can find this podcast in iTunes as well as Stitcher, Swell, the Blackberry podcast. You can also subscribe directly to the blog post to get them via email and you can do that all at my website at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A.com. And you can find the show notes for this episode in the top menu under the Still Growing Podcast. And you can always find me at sixfootmama.com or on facebook.com backslash stillgrowingwithsixfootmama. You can also email me directly at jennifer at sixfootmama.com. Don't be in a rush to get in that garden this spring. We'll see you all next week. Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling is a sixfootmama.com production made in lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota. Still Growing is an hour-long weekly gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hey there. So Will is home today. He's recovering from day two of strep throat. And since he was in the house, I asked him if he would mind helping me out with this poem that we found online about okra in honor of Sarah's passion for okra. I thought she'd enjoy it. The poem is by January Jill O'Neill, and uh, it's from her blog at poetmom.blogspot.com. And it's called In Praise of Okra, and Will's going to read it now. And Sarah, if you're listening, this one's for you. Okay, so my voice might not sound the same as usual, but I'll give it a whack. In Praise of Okra, no one believes in you, like I do. I sit you down on the table, and they overlook you for fried chicken and grits, crab cakes and hush poppies, black-eyed peas and succotash and sweet potatoes and watermelon. Your stringy, slippery texture reminds them of the creature from the movie Aliens. But I tell my friends that if they don't like you, they are cheating themselves. You were brought from Africa as seeds hidden in the ears of slaves. Nothing was wasted in our kitchens. We took the unused and the throwaways and made feasts. We taught our children how to survive, adapt. So I write this poem in praise of okra and the cooks who understood how to make something out of nothing. Your fibrous skin melts in my mouth, green flecks of flavor, still tough, unbruised, part of the fabric of earth. Soul food. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Feel better. Okay. I'm going to go make myself a milkshake.